Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome back to the Beer Ladies Podcast. I am your host for today, Christina, and I am joined with Katie, Lisa, and Erica. Say hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. Um, Today we are asking the perennial question, what is the oldest pub in Ireland? (laughs) If we can even answer that, we will find out throughout the episode. Uh, Before we get into it, though, just a reminder to please check us out on all the socials and make sure that you follow us on YouTube. And oh, we have merch. So do check out our merch. And if you're interested, please buy us a coffee. We do appreciate everything that you all do for us. Thank you so much to everyone who has helped us and supported us so far. So before we kick off, Erica, what are you drinking? Um, Well, I have brought this straight from work. Um, It is called Alma from Whiplash Beer, and it's a whip beer. Just showing the art to the camera. Yeah. Oh, and does that mean that they have just brewed another batch of Alma? <laughs> I suppose it does. Okay. <laughs> It'll be um, announced on our socials and available on the website uh, by the time this episode airs. Yeah. <laughs> um, and a fun side note, uh, I think one of the first times that I ever met Lisa in person and caught up with Katie in person was almost exactly a year ago and that was uh one of the beers that we were drinking that's right yeah. that's right yes it was very yeah. hot that day for, for ireland for ireland i mean and it was yeah covid restrictions outdoor dining oh, outdoor yeah. drinks only yeah yes bring your own very good anyway so i am drinking a very new to me beer new to me brewery it's river shannon brewing and it's Martello Tower IPA. And for those on YouTube, I'm gonna see if you can see the can. There's like, what is that symbol called? The Trinity thing? The knot. The Trinity knot. Yeah. Is on an IPA. And uh, that's what Ooh, it looks it's like. it's a lovely color. Sort of a coppery yeah. kind of a thing. Ooh. And are they out of Offaly? Are they formally sleep bloom or? don't think they're formerly sleeve bloom i think they have a different name let me read it it's they're from banaher um it just says oh does it say they're from banaher no the martello tower is from banaher oh 
Okay. Yeah, and I, I've, I've met them. Yeah, I've met them. I, I, I met them at Valley Kill Cabin Hop Picking, where they were saying they were just getting ready to launch. And obviously, COVID had taken, um, you know, made that much more difficult than than had been. But I know this has been coming for a while. I believe they have a red ale as well. I have yet to try them, but they were lovely guys. So hopefully, uh, hopefully it's all good. It is actually. It is Banagher, um, Church Street, Kyle Big, Banagher, County Offaly. So yeah, it actually it tastes really nice. And it's good to see new breweries coming on stream and i got that in i popped into Tyrrellstown to the beer home of the beer club they had lots of really interesting beers so i was like i haven't tried that one before i'll try you so mm, there we nice. go i might be having another one i think <laughs> wonderful well, and i guess i'll share i have a new or at least new to me beer from third barrel uh some dance to remember extra pale ale uh, I know there was a little back and forth over what does extra pale mean on Irish beer Twitter uh, this week, but uh, I have to say this is really that it says you know crisp and fruit forward and they are not wrong about that but it's it's really lovely and. Um, yeah, lovely and sort of biscuity as well so it's 4.8 so clocks in at a good but not crazy strength but. Uh, um, I don't know if it's as fresh as that Alma, but it tastes really, really fresh. So I think these have just appeared in, in shops, it seems. So I'm um, really enjoying this. Mm. Yeah, and that is not the first extra pale ale we've had. I think that was on tap in, in um, Beer Temple when we were there. Ah, yeah. Really yeah tasty. I, I had that at the Rascals Festival and mm. looking at the lineup for the Franciscan Well Festival that I'm going to um, the day after we're recording, which is tomorrow, um, they have some dance to forget, which is at yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I love I, I mean, I, I'm always here for a, you know, a, a sort of not gimmicky name, but funny name. So I, I like that oh, yeah. they've got the two, uh, the two, the two beers together. That's great. Yeah, I totally think puns are an art form, definitely. And I'm there for them. I love them. I go all in. Now, Christina, oh. what are you drinking? Okay, so actually, um, Sarah from podcast, of course, works at Rye River. And um, so I just, they sent me um, some beer and this lovely postcard with their, they've changed the names of some of the beers, but the, the recipe still stays the same. So I'm drinking the Backwaters American Wheat. Mm. I had that um, when I was watching Eurovision. That's lovely. <laughs> it's really nice. <laughs> really nice for this uh, warmish weather. Yeah. 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 It's hot for me <laughs> today, yeah. this, these, these past couple of days. So this, <laughs> this is a really good hot weather. Day. So thank you to Rye River for sending this to me. And I do genuinely <laughs> like this beer and I liked it and it's old name and I like it in its new name. And yes, I just like this beer. So <laughs> very happy. And I'm not drinking out of glass because mm, why not? <laughs> right. You're saving water by not having to wash up. It's good, better for the environment. There right. we go. It's not because mm -hmm. I'm lazy. No, no, we don't say that. We're mm -hmm. saving the world. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You're doing your bit. Uh, so, ladies, this episode is all about oh, Ireland's man. oldest pub. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Oh, and, I, and I know that the historians amongst us are like oh my god this is such a divisive topic <laughs> so I don't know I will say so I was on um, my wedding anniversary we went down to Kilkenny and we were in a pub there called Kittler's hmm. have you heard of it yes in there yeah. yeah oh yeah I love the witch story by the way 
story. So I think they were doing some heavy lifting too, but yes. Very <laughs> heavy lifting, very heavy lifting. Yes, her. she was married four times. All her husbands died and they were very wealthy and left all the money to her. So she must have been a witch. Anyway, they were saying it was founded in 1324 or it's been there since 1324. Hmm. So I am like, ladies, people who know far more than me, what is Irish Ireland's oldest pub and what makes Ireland's oldest pub its oldest pub? Right. So... I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm gonna speak in generalizations for reasons um and I'm gonna start by saying that the the question itself is problematic <laughs> <laughs> um and and I will explain why um and Lisa will will chime in as well on why so basically what is Ireland's oldest pub is using the term pub, which of course comes from public house. And that term doesn't, from my research, um, so someone please correct me if, but what I have found is that really doesn't come, that term doesn't really come into play much until the end of the 17th century. So if you're asking what the oldest public house is, then we're going to have to find something that defined itself by that term, because this term also existed alongside other terms like tavern and alehouse. So it wasn't just the 17th century and everything's now a public house. Right. That's not quite how it worked. Right. So it, it was gradual and then it picked up and then. So then you'd have to find something that self-identifies as a public house and the earliest example of that. But that's still limiting you to maybe at the end of the 17th century, probably at the earliest. Right. So that's not actually the question I think people want answered. I think the question people really want answered is, what is the oldest place that I could buy a beer and drink it on premise? Right? I think that's the act. I think that's the question. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. I, I would agree. Because I think when you start talking about licensing laws and things like that. And, and even though obviously at times you have, we'll say a sort of shared political landscape, I'll, I'll put it that way with the sort of the, the licensing that you have in Britain, it, it changes over time, but we don't really get a licensing law in Ireland until 1635. And then that's, and then it gets repealed. And then there's another one, but it, it's, again, it's very specific about, you know, kind of what it's defining there. And that doesn't mean that there were no pubs or no drinking establishments, let's say certainly before 1635, there absolutely were. But I think it's interesting that that's, if you're looking for things that have a paper trail, you're not gonna really find much before that with that kind of specific documentation. So it's, it's you know, again, it's it's like, which question are you answering, so. Yeah, and and that causes problems. And so then I think the other part of it is, that you're probably also wanting to know what has still been in continuous use mm -hmm. because I could sit here and tell you where there were taverns in the medieval yeah. period. Absolutely, I, We have a whole entire street. It's called Tavern Street, sometimes Wine Tavern Street, which is what you know it as now, but yeah. Tavern Street. And they would have sold ale, also wine. Um, so literally there, but they don't exist anymore. I could also tell you that the fairgrounds outside of the city walls, the old medieval fairgrounds, could have been a place where you could have bought and drank ale in public. But they're, <laughs> they're not there anymore, right? So yeah. I think the other layer of it is continuous use. But 
also continuous use as a drinking establishment because for example um Jillian Kenny in her study of women um in Ireland in 1423 she came across a woman called uh, Juliana Loverin uh, who was a widow and her alongside a, a John Waring who was a merchant they leased two cellars under Christchurch and cellars under churches would have could have been used as taverns. And so Kenny has suggested that this possibly could have been used as a tavern. Possibly. This is a possibility. Yeah. This is not a definite, don't run with this. <laughs> but I think, you know, Kenny's making an interesting and sound argument here that I think adds a, a layer, but we're not still using that. It wasn't in continuous use as that. So yeah. that's out, right? Um, but it's interesting. It's interesting. And then, of course, we, the people were brewing in Dublin Castle, and we know they were brewing other places in Christchurch. Uh, we have an idea that there were a couple breweries, you know, like these kinds of things. So what kind of spaces are we looking for when we're looking at medieval names? So or medieval public ale drinking, buying places. And see, this is where things get a little difficult because... Ale houses could be temporary spaces. They could literally be part of someone's house, um, which they were. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying they could be, they were. Um, not all the time, but yeah. Anyway, they were. And they could be temporary. Like you could literally say, okay, I have ale to sell and I'm selling it here or I'm selling it to go. There were lots of options. So permanent space not permanent space these things get a little fuzzy and then there's inns which sometimes have a really strict definition and then sometimes it seems to be a little um a little bit different so for example um there was something in medieval dublin called the tobel which was uh, a portion of ale that the brewers of dublin had to give to one of the local churches um, as just part of what they had to do. It was passed by um, John of England in 1185. But we know <laughs> that this becomes a problem because in 1308, there's a legal case taken out against the brewers in, uh, in Dublin who are apparently not giving their amount. No, it's always the way you hear about it in the legal case. That's the thing. So, so there we have an idea. Um, and we have an idea that inns are exempt from this, which tells us that maybe inns are brewing, but they don't have to pay this. So an inn could be a place where you could be in public, brewed ale, sold it, these kinds of things. But we also have 25 names of people who were brewing. So I could tell you out of the 25 names, you know, five, I think five or seven, I don't remember off the top of my head, were women. Um, that doesn't mean oh, the rest- women. It yeah. doesn't mean the rest weren't also women. It just they who might have been represented by their husbands for legal reasons. Yeah. Um, maybe not. Maybe there's yeah. Anyway, there's lots of layers to that. But we do know that there were taverns that were brewing from that. And then, of course, alehouses, brewers, these sorts of things. So that adds another layer. But we don't know where any of those people were brewing, right? Yeah. So, so we I'm, just have their names really from that. We don't have like the a premises or a location where anything was done or 
No, we basically just have their names. And okay. again, like I'm going to moan about this, but the 1922 fire did destroy a lot of stuff. And I'm really excited because of the new project yes. that has, oh my gosh, um, that is going to put together thousands, I think they said hundreds of documents that were uh, burned in that fire and they've tried to reconstruct them all. So I think, I cannot wait to get my hands on that. I think that's gonna really add a lot of, hopefully add a lot to my book on Irish beer history. So I really can't wait to see those and what those say, cause that might change a lot of things. Um, hopefully we get some really fascinating stuff out of that. So, but, but what I'm going with is what I can tell you about now. And this kind of persists later on. So Barnaby Rich's diatribe in 1610, New Description of Ireland, he talks about taverns and alehouses. These are both places where you can purchase ale. And he kind of is very snarky about alehouses and how the alehouse keepers think that they have taverns, but they really aren't. They're just <laughs> alehouse keepers. So, so they- he's looking down his nose at the alehouse keepers going, yeah, oh. well. He has a lot of nasty things to say. And he he actually, he had to write an apology a couple of years later because he managed to piss off everybody. And yeah, so he, not, not a beloved person in Dublin. Um, so we have this idea of, yeah, these ale, ale houses and taverns as these kind of places. But again, where are they right. is a whole nother question. And yeah. And I, I think a lot of the street names in Dublin, from what I understand, have changed um, based on politics. So like that might be tricky as well, like geographically, um, when you're looking back for the written records, um, if, I, I, if I'm not mistaken. Well, like city center, we have um, a, a lot of a, a lot of really awesome medievalists have come through and made maps of what the old city was, and we have a pretty good idea okay. of the old cities. Not that the streets' names haven't changed, but we know where the old streets would have been. Wine Tavern Street's Wine Tavern Street, Bridge Street is Bridge Street, Cook Street is Cook Street. These kinds of things, um, we have an idea of where everything is, but. Yeah, locate a lot of times these people don't come up in records unless they're running afoul from it, where they're, you know, they're doing something they're not supposed to be doing. They're, they're, you know, they're getting fined. They're operating illegally. They're um, not paying their toll bill. You know, these are where we find them because brewing, of course, is quite ubiquitous for a lot of people as part of just, you know, their daily activities. So they're not popping up as much until we have later cases um, well at the end of the 17th century where for example we see a list of brewers being published common brewers because the army was stealing their horses and they wanted to dictate that they should be um, protected from these horse thefts and so they published a list of all the brewers and the amount of horses they were allowed to have and were basically you can't steal them this also amounts to the brewers that were big enough to have horses and all that other right. stuff. So that's when we start to see things, but then it's generally still a, a street or a general region. Like um, we also have cess records, um, weekly cess or water charges, but again, it's like a street name. So it's like St. Patrick street, Kevin street, cook street. I can tell you that there were brewers on these based on the cess records on the water records. I can tell you that they are, but I couldn't tell you where they were. 
Sure. What are success records for the? Yeah. It was grinding, um, malt. It was a payment. Oh, okay. It was like, a, yeah, it was a tax. It was raising money for something. And I, um, I think your, your points about definitions and um, being continuously run are very important because those are things that people are thinking about when, when they look to this evidence. And perhaps like the names of the pubs or drinking establishments would have changed as well. Yeah, and and I think we're we're gonna kind of get into that now. I think might as well about the issues with using archaeology to determine what the oldest pub in Ireland or literally anywhere is, um, because the archaeology doesn't necessarily tell you of continuous use or what it was originally. We can speculate, right? right. So we can say, um, for example, in Litchfield. Um, Christy or Kirsty Nickel, who was the site director of this particular place in Litchfield, she found many jugs and a large toilet in this particular dig site. And so it led them to conclude that this might have been an inn given the amount of like pitchers and jugs and things like that. So you can look at those things and say, okay, given the amount and this, maybe it's this. But the problem is if you dig under your site, and you just find jugs and maybe it, things that say that this, at some point, there was some kind of habituation, a house or something there. That doesn't mean that it was a pub. That doesn't mean it was an inn. It doesn't mean, just because there was some kind of something there doesn't mean it was your something. Um, yeah. And it doesn't mean it was in continuous use. And, yeah, so it kind of gets a little problematic, you know, because you there would also have to be evidence like um, the Litchfield site that leads you to indicate that this was an inn or an alehouse that was, but then we go into, well, it could have been someone's house who sold ale and then that becomes problematic. And so it's just, Mm, it's a little fuzzy right yeah. and, and I think it's worth saying too that it's it's also kind of hard to compare some of these things like what you see in Ireland versus what you see in in England as well just because the pattern of urbanization is so different where mm -hmm. in Ireland you have so many monastic settlements and we know that there was monastic brewing going on all over the place For but sure. but the pattern of of you know compared to that say in in England or even somewhere like Germany where you know you certainly have monastic brewing too where then there they tended to evolve more quickly, if you like, again, in air quotes, into kind of more urban centers where this is a commercial activity. In Ireland, a lot of them are still basically church-owned, if you like. So is it even commercial? Again, it's hard to say if it's the same kind of, like, is it expressing the same thing, even if they are essentially brewing and consuming ale on the same scale? And I, I did a really interesting walking tour the other week of, of, of all around Grange Gorman and the TUD campus where there are just amazing old buildings but the again uh, you know, going, going back excuse me going back to Christchurch like that's where all of their malting was happening a lot of their brewing was happening there where they had people just doing that for them and do we count that as kind of a commercial activity um and again this is you know we're talking sort of uh 13th through kind of 13th 14th century that that kind of thing but it's like well one it's not there now so we can't point to continuous use but but two it's just like it's very different from how we see this in other places. So I think, I know there's a lot of work going on now where people are saying, oh, what's the oldest pub in England or, you know, in maybe sort of England and Wales. And it's, 
it's a different question to answer there too, just because they're different kinds of establishments, even if they look kind of very broadly similar. So again, to your point, Christine, about the archaeology is like, it can tell us certain things, but even things that look alike are not necessarily saying the same thing. So it's hard. Just to jump in, the idea that there are places that you can stay, that you didn't have to pay for ale or or food, but it was still part of a hosting duty. So yeah, does yeah. that count somehow as this public space? Because exactly. Maybe. They were places for travelers. And so like, you know, when we're looking at the records of Christchurch, the prior is hosting lots of people. Yeah. And, you know, we know that there was a brewery like really close to where the Christchurch Apple site is. There was definitely um, one near there. And then there's some arguments. There was one closer into the early modern period, a bit on that hill, like right where Dublinia is. Mm. Um, but of course they're not there anymore, <laughs> but you know, when we're hosting people, like, is that a house party, but not quite <laughs> right. So there, there's lots of layers to understanding the idea of public drinking in a medieval or early modern context is a bit different to our modern understandings of what drinking in public might look like. Um, and so those definitions need to be taken into account exactly like Lisa said like how are we considering public drinking and are we inflicting our modern ideas of what mm. that looks like onto the the past and should we is this a fair question to ask um you know uh, sorry Erica what were you saying <laughs> oh no just that um you know when we were talking about this episode I thought this is cut and dry this is black and white like the <laughs> oldest superlative should be objective and finding that proof is a lot tougher than I thought it would be. <laughs> uh, so I appreciate your expertise when it comes to the history side of this because um, a lot of this is just something that I think particularly people from a country so young as ours, the US, maybe take for granted or don't understand. Um, in 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 terms of like okay like i i believe what you're telling me on your t-shirt you know <laughs> yeah because yeah. like the problem is if we're just doing it like archaeologically for example with not combining the history and not looking at continuous use i could go out conceivably build a pub on wine tower street and tomorrow say i have one of the oldest pubs in dublin because there is probably evidence somewhere underneath of there of a tavern or a pub that existed at some point in time. But that's not how this works. <laughs> but you could still claim it and you could legitimately, in a way, claim it. And you could you could absolutely you know, say, I, I mean, I think it would be cool if you said, like, listen, this this street was home to taverns back in the day. Now ours is obviously not continuous use, but hey, we're continuing a legacy of something. And I think that's really cool, but I think language matters and we need to be specific when we're saying yes, things. Yeah. No, although also great business opportunity if someone did have something where say you showed the archaeology underneath, did a whole Jorvik Viking Center kind of a thing, just saying. It's there. You could do it. So anyway, uh, like uh, that. Like would the be little. Like yes. the little. Yes. Yes. That would be cool. And I think it would be really cool if places did do that. Like I, absolutely. I'm absolutely here for saying, okay, there was some kind of a settlement here. Come look. Isn't this yeah. cool? Absolutely. Um, any tourists to Ireland, there is a little around Christchurch, isn't it? Um, and yeah. it has actually, when they were building 
it they decided to to put a glass panel on the floor so you can see down and you can see see the the layers of history beneath you yeah it's the old theater there it's very cool do do recommend and then you can you know pick up some pretzels it's all it's all good (laughs) (laughs) no but i i think um maybe some of the plaques or advertisements might be misleading to people. Don't have I, I'm not touching that with a 10 foot pole because I don't want to get sued. Um, but I, everyone, I, everyone is very careful with their definitions. We'll put it that way. For, yes. for example, like I've, I've been to the largest ball of twine by yeah. a singular person in Darwin, Minnesota. And like, I do not doubt that fact. Like I, I saw it, I took the photos, I read about it, but this is a lot more complicated, you know? Yeah, it's, it's really complicated. And I think when we go back to the oldest, we're really talking about these ale houses, taverns, these can be more temporary spaces, but like, you know, the Dublin Wine Street Commission knocked down a lot of these buildings. We don't really have old buildings. Well, as a medievalist, super, super old, right. you know, like, so, and then it becomes, um, because I've, I saw this conversation on Twitter and someone, oh, I forget who said it's basically like the ship of Theseus. Like, <laughs> at what point does this still that building if yeah. after you've removed so many pieces of it? And I think, I mean, if the foundations are there, the foundations are there. And if you can, if you can identify that historically it's been in continuous use, then I think you can, you can say something. Yeah. A- it's about like the that. only fools and horses uh, sweeping brush, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it's exactly the same. Yeah, it's exactly the same. It's had what, like I don't know, five heads and two yep. two bulls, but it's the same sweeping brush, right? <laughs> exactly. Oh gosh, and now there's a musical in the West End. That's that's a sign. <laughs> Yeah, so I think I think there's all these things about temporary versus permanent spaces. Were they temporary spaces? Were they more permanent? We know that there were brewers. Were they selling their beer out of their houses? You know, and we don't know specifically. Like like I said, I can tell you that there were brewers on Cook Street. I can tell you they were on Cavan Street. I can tell you they were on St. Patrick Street. I can tell you lots of places where they were, but specifically their locations, I can't tell you. Like it's at you know number three. Like I, you know, I don't I don't have that um yet maybe i will who knows you know what we're gonna just invent time travel right (laughs) or someone will discover time travel we'll go back get photographic evidence and then come back (laughs) okay Okay. you're like yeah that sounds fair (laughs) i'm still on my first beer i don't know where that came from sorry (laughs) i I mean it sounds like an ideal solution to be honest yeah Yeah, that would that would solve the problem um but then I guess you're asking like oh you know is it uh, I'm not getting into it there's too many questions this question has more questions I think that's the problem there's so many questions within this question (laughs) okay so we know that there's lots of questions but if we kind of take a broad view and don't look at it too too technically and if somebody was visiting from some other country and you were like here I'm going to bring you to the oldest pub in Dublin it's like what would you do I would take them to Brazen Head okay um I would take them to Brazen Head and the reason why is because we have the earliest reference to the Brazen Head historically was in 1613 um there was a fine given to Richard Fagan and his wife on the property on Bridge Street. So we know that there was, and it was called Brazen Head. 
So we know that there was, yes. So that's why I'm saying that's the oldest reference because it's the name it's on bridge street. Is it made, is it exactly on that specific location? It doesn't say, but we can venture that it's somewhere around there. Right. And it is a property on bridge street. Um, and Timothy Dawson argued that it likely existed before 1613. It wasn't just didn't pop up there and gave a date somewhere in the 16th century. So that does put Brazenhead somewhere, at least in the 16th century, called Brazenhead. Right. But is it a public house? No. You know, what was it back then? What was it doing? Because, of course, 16th century, we wouldn't call it a public house. Right. Um, yeah. So what specifically was it is, a, is another question um, and how that functioned. And, of course, I would read Timothy Dawson's study and his his conclusions on what the space was and what it was used for and, and those sorts of things. Um, but yeah, so we do see reference to a place called the Brazen Head on Bridge Street in 1613. Um, and again, it's when they're running afoul because it's a fine. Sure. Yeah, so they could have someone across the road who was paying their taxes and doing their, what did you call it, your toll bowl and everything, and they're just not in the records. Well, they wouldn't know. be they wouldn't be paying the toll bill anymore in 1613 because oh. this was after the dissolution of the monasteries. So that's all gone. <laughs> so it's, um, it's the crown now is in charge. Yeah, it's all in yeah. secular hands. Um, or yeah, Church of England hands. Um, but mostly secular. Um, so yeah, that's that's a non-starter at that point. But there are other sorts of ties and fees and in other places in Ireland there's taxes on ale or malt that helped build the walls of the city for defensive purposes and you know paid for wars and things like that so like tax on ale or brewing or or brewing equipment is quite common within sort of the English ruling (laughs) um, their their laws and their taxes and these sorts of things so that is a thing but yeah um, I'm going so, to the yeah, so. Midlands Craft Beer Festival in August, and I'm stopping by an Athlone, and I'm going to a bar that's commonly touted as the oldest pub in Ireland. And I, I said this to my mom, and I, and she said, "Oh, like I thought the Brazenhead was. You took me to the Brazenhead, and like I, I live across the river from this pub, and that's what you know the sign says on the door." So um maybe there's a sort of friendly rivalry amongst the two places um but I I would say those are maybe the the most common two that are that are publicly represented at this time and they did go head to head on the public airways at some time at some stage Mm. to do a very uh I th- I don't know how uh, how in depth they went into their analysis, and uh, it was it, they went to public arbitration. Did they? Well, and, and then I know like well I I guess it was the you know certified which I'm putting again in giant air quotes for everyone just listening by Guinness, but the Book of World Records arm, not the not the brewing arm. So again, you're already in the realm of um, they're not scientists. They're not here to you know, do that kind of thing. They, they have a very specific frame of reference that they're using. So again, it is what it is. Yeah. And this is the thing with like the oldest pub kind of all over the world. Like this is, this is a problematic question. There's lots of questions within the question. 
Um, like I said, I'm not going to touch base on anything in the negative specifically, but do be wary of just keep an open mind and have, you know, challenge those things in your head and, and have a think, okay, what is this based on? Why are they arguing that, you know, dig around a bit and see what you can find. Um, and it's not to say that the places aren't very old. I mean, a lot of them are very old, but, you know, look at kind of the, the history and maybe the archaeology and see, okay, well, this is maybe is what the archaeology is really saying, or maybe, oh, this is what the archaeology is really saying, you know, dig into those claims a little bit. Um, but like I said, I'm not going to comment on anything specifically. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think um, just to, you know, again, look at some of the ones, because again, this is, this comes up in England, this comes up in Germany, anywhere, you know, Belgium, I'm sure as well, like it's, um, you know, again, these, these things shift all of the time in terms of how they're defining themselves, et cetera, et cetera. But at the end of the day, you can go to all of these places and just enjoy digging around, having a couple yeah. drinks, you know, at the end of the day, it's, are they keeping their tap lines clean? Are they, you know, providing yeah. good service now? You know, let's uh, maybe grade them on their, their current hospitality offerings while enjoying whatever kind of historical, uh, we'll say patina they may or, or may not have. <laughs> well, yeah, and the thing is, is, is after we get so for example, I'm really hoping once these reconstructed documents from the 1922 fire come in, we could have a lot of older references. We could know a lot more than we know now. Like we could have way earlier references for some of these pubs than what we have found so far. So this could completely, completely change. So as a historian, I'm really only comfortable with doing what I can see in the primary sources while a historian and archaeologist. So I like to put the two together. So I need to, I want to kind of see them together. And I'm really more comfortable with going with what the primary sources say and how maybe that looks with the archaeology. There might be an argument for earlier things just based on the archaeology. Okay, but the history says this is the earliest. Okay, maybe I'm going to go with this. So you kind of have to combine them. But like I said, this 1922 fire reconstructed documents might come and just blow that all out of the water. We might be like, oh, okay, actually, here's one 300 years before that. You know, we, we don't know yet. So yeah. <laughs> And I, I think in the meantime, um, it is kind of fun, like to look at the interior and the exterior architecture and just kind of play with it and immerse yourself and look at the photos that they have and, you know, not maybe not take it um, super seriously. Yeah, absolutely. And some of them are so much fun to visit, like, like Katie, like you were saying, like Keitler's Inn, like each of those little rooms is sort of different and fun and just like, you know, they're leaning into it. And of course, do, lean into it. It's great. You know, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's fantastic. Or yeah, like Brazen Head, you can go from kind of room to room. They're all a little bit different. And it's, it's just nice that you can go somewhere and kind of have a different experience depending on just where you happen to be sitting in the pub. And I think that, yeah. that counts for something too. And like, I think it's really cool that the brazen head reference in 1613, it's, it is the brazen head. So that's yeah. why I'm saying that's the one I would choose because it's literally, it's, it's called the thing. So yeah. that, you know, but um, again, that could change. Yeah, <laughs> that and could there's, change. A whole, there's a whole separate thing we'd have to do another episode on another time on like when all Irish pubs have to start putting the proprietor's name in, you know, in the name, because that you know, that sort of obfuscates a lot of history in some cases and creates new in others. And it's, again, that's a whole separate thing, but it, it's a it's a topic well worth kind of deep diving into because it's, um, 
it, it makes it hard to find places like the Brazen Head or that have these kind of easy to remember names versus, you know, O'Neill's or, you know, whomever's name is above the door. So yeah, and there's lots of drama with massive breweries yeah. owning public houses and how that impacts other places because they can do X, Y, and Z. And yeah, so they in the Industrial Revolution. And so there's lots and lots of layers to this. Um, but basically the question of what's the oldest pub in Ireland is not. It's not the question I think people want the answer to. I think they want to know what is the oldest place I could buy a beer and drink it in public and maybe not buy it, but be served it and drink it in public. Um, that is still in continuous use. And yeah, that's, that's a different question. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, and again, and then there's a whole argument there for, you know, getting a, getting a bag of cans and sitting in the old, you know, former Viking roads streets that are now under all those terrible modern buildings, but Hey, that's continuous mm-hmm. use. Right. So <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Head out where, uh, past, um, where the old city walls were down Francis street to yeah. where the uh, fairgrounds were. And it's basically just sidewalk, but Hey, have a can. Yeah. Imagine you're at a medieval festival. I, I mean, that might be illegal. So probably don't do that. But yeah. I believe, <laughs> no access. Um, the Christchurch cathedral crypts um, are able to host wedding reception. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> they do mention them being in and out of um both official and unofficial use as pubs and clubs again pubs in air quotes clubs Uh, if you do the uh ghost walk they will they stop there because there is also a hellfire club connection because of course there is maybe um but you know these things are all a little a little fungible might have been nearby might have been there I think it was like all of a boys network, like the Hellfire oh, yeah. Club and Leinster House and, and where all the boys hung out, you know, so they're all linked. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But I think that I think that, yeah, there's a big, uh, a really important takeaway. There's yeah, basically sort of 17th, 18th century. You could have been drinking everywhere if you were a, a dude of a certain class. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> uh, those places are still there in a lot of cases, the ones that weren't knocked down by the Wide Streets Commission. But, you know, just uh Think of these things that happen to repurposes like wedding venues, exactly that. Yeah. It's a journey. It is. Definitely. <laughs> and I think, yeah, and I think I'm thinking of a different episode where we can do like the somethingest pub in Ireland or the world, you know? Yeah. And that was the oldest. Like we have a f- quite famous pubs that say they're the highest pub in Ireland or the lowest or the nearest that is place. much more uh definable yeah. it is it is <laughs> the biggest absolutely that's you can be kind of objective about that yeah <laughs> there's a pub quite close to me and i'm not sure how true this is but they claim to be the nearest pub in ireland to new york <laughs> <laughs> maybe i mean that's fair <laughs> it could be yeah we're further west than the iron islands but i'm wondering is there somewhere down in Kerry that might beat them i don't know <laughs> I, I love the um, trying to find your very niche, like claim to fame, as it were. Yeah. Um, I'm really here for that. I really like that. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yes. I would love to see more of that. Things that aren't even like where it's not quite a theme pub as such, but there's something that's really oh, unique yeah. that they just go into, like like the the Tom Crean, you know, stuff. I love yeah. there's like polar exploration this is our this is our thing now it's like great I love it there's a real tie-in and it's it's just cool to see something like that that is unique again that's not a the most blah but it's it's just something that is 
you know, that helps it, you know, set it apart and it just, you know, gives it that little bit of historical interest. So here for it. Yeah. 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 I also like the silly ones that are like on this sheet on this spot in 1435, nothing happened. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. just find I think those things are rather silly. Yeah. Well, I mean something did. Someone probably walked past it at some point, but yeah. <laughs> and it's not like best pub where it's like so ridiculously subjective that no one could ever answer it. So yeah, like. Like it, find it, your silly niche thing, like the most yeah. like r- ridiculous thing you can find. I love that. Like, but yeah, think that's like, cool. I, I I love a good gimmick. Like I will admit, <laughs> for sure, for sure. And you don't even need to spend that much time with it, but just like little things, like that, like what you said, Katie. I would go to that pub because I think that's funny. Yeah, <laughs> and if that's on your T-shirt and whatnot, like that's great. I love that. It just gives yeah. it a talking point. You know, it's adorable. Yeah. <laughs> I do love that. I do. I do love that. But yeah, so there's, I will put in the um, comments, like links to some of these studies that I was talking about, because of course I'm a beer historian. So I I come across pubs and alehouses in my research, but I am not focused on pubs and alehouses in my research. So um, I will send you on to experts. You can read Mm -hmm. their studies. Um, yeah, and hopefully these 1922 papers reveal some really cool things for us. Yeah, yeah. fingers crossed. And um, Christina, I just, I'm in awe of all your knowledge. I learned so much on this. <laughs> yeah, well, a lot of this is coming from my book. So you'll uh, you'll have to read more buy of it her book. there. Buy her book. <laughs> I will buy your book. I will buy your book, Christina. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, now I'm adding all this 1922 stuff. So, yeah. And th- this is why we don't want to make anyone mad because we need to think of a good place to have a launch party for your book when it's time, you know, do a yeah. signing, all of that. So, we got to be in everyone's good graces. So, oh, Pops, but, but we, we I love you all. But I should say before the book, I will be starting Beer History Tours of Dublin. So, that will be coming either June or July. It's definitely going to be June or July, probably July. Um, once a month on a Saturday, 11 o'clock ish. We're gonna go. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So you can you can come to that in the meantime. I will be there for a walking tour. I'll be there for a book reading, like here to support all your teachings and, and oh, you guys are you. so yeah. nice to me. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for listening. It's so nice to have someone to nerd out about this stuff with. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think for anyone who's listening, if you guys want to go start a flame war on Twitter with any individual establishments, up to you. You guys do you. It's not not us, not us. So yes, just, just do, do not drag me into it because yeah. I will not comment on specific pubs. Yep. yep, exactly. You guys can do it, but it's it's we, we sit that out. Yeah, sorry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Have we come to our, our natural conclusion there? Have we any other points that we want to go through or? No, I think we're, I'm good. I think we're good. I'm really curious to see how, what other people think about it. So that'll be the, the fun thing to observe. And again, and I say observe with a capital O. So yeah. Yeah. We're, we're, <laughs> don't drag us into this. <laughs> All right. So friends, um, thank you so much for listening to this episode. And thank you again for supporting us so much. And remember to check us out on YouTube and socials, wherever you get your podcast. Um, So thank you so much for listening. Goodbye.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.